Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, Silent Bob from all those Jay and Silent Bob type pictures, man. And I'm breaking the silence to tell you that you're listening to the Buff and the Blazer podcast with Drew and El Tato. Enjoy the show, kids. Hey, El Tato. What's going on? We got a podcast, The Buff and the Blazer. If I was a listener, where would I go to find more? You can check us out on our website, thebuffintheblazer.com. Drew over there writes a article that goes along with every single episode. You can find all kinds of little extras on the articles, and you can listen to the podcast right there. Also, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're on Twitter, at Buff and Blazer. Follow us there. Get those clicks, people. The Buff and the Blazer. Welcome to the Buff and the Blazer podcast, the show where we break down and discuss old movies, the new ones, everything in between. I'm Drew, and I'm here with my good buddy and co-host, Mr. L. Tato. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Still hot. Still hot. A little bit more busy. We had our fantasy draft yesterday. Very busy. That time of year. <laughs> and what are we on? We're on episode 87 this week? Uh, 87. And we got another film that we were kind of stoked for. Uh, I was pretty excited about it. Yeah. It's the sequel to a horror film from the early 90s, Candyman, directed by Nia DaCosta. And let's just jump right into this thing. We both uh, saw it this last week. What did you think? You saw it in theaters, right? I did. And okay. I, I do cherish the old one. All right. Like I do with most horror movies from my childhood. You're the big horror guy. You love the horror genre. When I was a kid. Okay. And then I just like didn't watch movies in in my 20s and (laughs) early 30s until we started doing this. So kind of in that same vein, as I was watching this movie, I started to remember more of the old one. Okay. I'm probably going to defer to you a lot in this show because I hardly remember the first film (laughs) and it's even foggy for me okay so like i was real excited to see this because much like pet cemetery i have it like up on this childhood horror movie pedestal yeah and seeing this one i was like stoked and then like had that same feeling of like fuck i don't really remember as much of the old one as i thought i did yeah like i need to go watch it again Here's the thing, though. I, th- I think what they did a good job of is I felt like you could watch this film and not have to really remember the first well, one. They, to, well, to really they kind of lay out the, the bullet points for yeah, exactly. you in this one. So I appreciated that because it jogged my memory a bit. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, visually it was really cool. Yeah. Like I, I did enjoy like the shadow kind of cartoon stuff. Yeah. That was like very different. And... Uh, the one the one negative I have to say is like I wasn't scared at all. Yeah, I wasn't the slightest bit on my edge of my seat. Mhm. I was I enjoyed it and it was good, but like for a horror movie, I want something to get me. I get and nothing you. really got me. It was kind of like a little nostalgia trip of a cool movie, but 
I won't I won't say fell flat because it was good, but I wasn't scared ever. Yeah, I get you. You know? Yeah. And I, I like the music a lot. Mm-hmm. Which I usually hate on. <laughs> so uh, a pretty a pretty positive overall impression. I just wanted to be scared a little more. Gotcha. Or like startled <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. You know? What about you? All right, I, I'm kind of feel the same way, um, but I loved the direction of this movie. I thought Nia DaCosta's direction was spectacular with the, the characters, with the visuals. This is a pretty movie, like the way it's shot, and it's very stylish, very stylized in terms of the pacing and the way the shots are set up. I loved the slow builds that you get throughout with that kind of suspense, and like you said, it isn't a really scary film. I felt like I was engaged, though, because the story was so interesting. Um, okay. I, I thought it was a really interesting story. And I liked how she brought in a lot of the the, the social underpinnings of, the, of what the whole neighborhood's about, like the circumstances of the character, and weaving in sort of that gentrification angle to, yeah. to all of it, which is like, you know, obviously a, a, something going on today everywhere in a lot of places so i thought it was like it was a nice update to a film that came out in the early 90s even though it's it's a sequel but i felt like it was a sequel where you could go in without knowledge of the first one and still get something out of it because they do take time to go back and kind of jog your memory a bit on what the first story was about like you said but yeah all in all i thought it was really well made but like you said not real real scary by any sense (laughs) but i did enjoy like the pacing of it i thought for me anyway these are like my favorite kinds of horror films where they're like they're kind of a slow build i guess i guess at the end it's it's nothing very earth shattering either like no no big hook at the end like with some of these a24 movies like uh, midsummer or anything where you're just like what (laughs) um none of that but yeah overall i I just thought it was a really well-made film and I think it's holding right now, what, an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes? 85, yeah. What's that audience score at? 73. Okay, all right. That's probably where I'd stick it for an audience score. And probably right where I put it for the, the critics, too, 85. So I think overall it's a pretty positive reaction to the movie. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a success for sure. Yeah. So I kind of want to jump in to the story a bit and ask you – from what you could remember, like right off the bat before you came into the film, are there any beats that you felt like they took from that movie at all, if you can remember that? I remember the visuals. Okay. This this version was a lot brighter. Yeah. I remember the old one being a lot darker and all the Cabrini green shots having gloomy skies. Mm-hmm. And that kind of like cold Chicago feel. Yeah. This one had a like a in the middle of summer yeah. vibe. So right off the bat, I felt like, oh, this is a different. So the tones like com- kind of the tone the isn't bat. nearly as dark as the old one. Gotcha. And then I was pretty foggy on details, though. All right. You know, like when at the part in the beginning when he tells the story mm-hmm. about the woman. Yeah. When who who does it? Uh, Nathan Stewart Jarrett. Okay. When he tells the story right away about the woman running out with the baby. Yeah. I started to remember shit. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then it kind of keeps connecting from there on out. But where are we at on spoilers? Um, 
We'll try to go light on the spoilers. Light. I think. Okay, we'll go light. Yeah. So okay, that first story, the the whole because they did they spent a lot of time to weave this whole new story full circle in with the old one. I'll yeah. say it that way. And the set the the completion of that full circle with a certain character, mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I didn't see that either. Yeah, so I'll I'll give them that they got me on that. Okay. But yeah, stuff was starting to come together pretty quickly for me. Yeah. Let me ask you this. The character that we see, the younger version of the character in the very beginning of the movie, where it's like, what, 1977 or something like that, I think? Doing laundry? Doing the laundry, yeah. Was that character in the first film? I can't remember. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm just not sure. But yeah, because that character is kind of a big deal in the whole grand scheme of the whole story. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like a one-for-one recreation scene, the laundry, but I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like very similar. Right, and and Tony Todd's in this film again. Um, yes. So we, we get him. It also says that Virginia Madsen is in this too as a voice. Helen From the Lyle. first one? Yeah, and I don't recall where we get that. But yeah, she's credited with a voice. Helen Lyle. I don't know. So I feel like if you watch this multiple times, you'll uh, find way more kind of Easter eggs and stuff that call back to the old one if the old one is fresh in your mind i feel like you get even more out of this movie get a lot more out of this right yeah do you think a lot of the critics because it's got a really high critic score you think a lot of the critics either went back and watched it or hold it and maybe that's why they have a bit of a higher of opinion than the audience could because i feel like there's easter eggs probably all over the whole movie the whole time yeah me too I, i feel the same i don't know not necessarily because i feel I hardly remember anything. Like, I almost remember nothing from that first film, and I still really like this. It's not like, you know, one of my favorite horror movies to come out in the last year or anything, but I felt like it was solid. And I fe- I, after reading just real quick some of these reviews, a lot of them are giving it credit as a sequel. So, yeah, it, it might have a little bit to influence, but I, like I said, I think it still works just fine on its own, too. Yeah. Could you see this film getting a, a, another, like, sequel? Uh, so I was thinking that when I walked out of the theater. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they kind of, you, you get a little bit of a hint like, Oh, there's room for more. Yeah. And that's probably based on how it's received. Yeah. But at first I saw this was a, as like paying homage to a nineties horror and, and bringing it into the 21st century. And with yeah. the way they ended it, I think absolutely they could, uh, keep it going well, let me ask you a, a kind of a more i guess simple question if you can remember but in terms of the scare factor and i know you you watched that first one a lot as a kid how would you compare i f- i feel like the old one was way scarier okay because <laughs> i will say with some of the scares that they have in this movie i felt like they were going back to that kind of like the low point in horror where people <laughs> are like trying to scare themselves just for the hell of it and like you know getting killed in the mirror and shit like with all that stuff i felt like it was hearkening back to like the period of horror where it was like really silly yeah some of that came across as intentional though almost like it was done on purpose that way and i like that about it yeah like i i really dug all the the mirror murders dude yeah <laughs> like the one the one 
complaint I have is like the using the hook. Mm-hmm. It didn't look very real at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I love the gratuitous blood splatter everywhere and I will say the first the first scene where we get a glimpse of the Candyman with the hook in the art gallery, I liked that sequence. Yeah. With the um just the setup with the projector and the screen and the way the light was working in the, the scene, I, I liked that setup. Not to say that it was extremely scary or anything, but I just thought it was like kind of a cool introduction. Yeah, it was cool with like the, the weird pink and blue lighting going yeah. on and Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I like the cheesy kind of horror, but I do also want to believe a little bit of something. Yeah, I get you. You know? So mm-hmm. there's like a weird line between I, I enjoy the fantastical horror scene. Yeah. But at the same time watching a horror movie, I want it to grab me and make me scared. Yeah. And this one didn't really do that. I had like a huge smile on my face <laughs> the whole movie, and you're not Sweet. really supposed to watch <laughs> watch horror with a big old smile on your face, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's not, it's not it's kind of a weird reaction. I will say, I want to go back to your comment on the tone of the movie, at least visually, with the kind of the setting, like this being more of a, like less of a gray kind of atmosphere. For me, I actually felt like like the tone was pretty cold. Not cold. because of the color, but because of that gentrification element where you got a lot of the interiors are very kind of contemporary. Or contemporary, sorry. And something about that style visually comes across as like cold, I guess is the best way to explain <laughs> it. Like there's nothing warm and fuzzy about a super ultra contemporary in- like apartment interior. <laughs> and... I guess that's kind of the point because it has a lot to do with this. It's the like the theme. underpinning of the the story. Yeah, like the, the theme is a the the larger theme is. I don't know. It it really makes artists look like pretentious assholes. Yeah, I mean none of that's like real, right? <laughs> yeah, like I don't know, but I get what you're saying with the cold. I would say not so cold is more of just like ugh. Yeah, maybe that's what, what I'm. <laughs> I'm leaning towards just kind of like repulsive. Yeah. It's like, who would want to live in that? Like, yeah. And you get that, that setting is everywhere. It's in the art gallery. It's in their apartment. It's in what this is Chicago, right? Yeah. So yeah, you get that all in like the downtown area. And I, I felt like that was also on purpose because you're, you're really trying to get the sense that anything kind of, I guess that has any kind of tie to the old community or whatever is being swallowed up yeah by this modernization and i definitely was off put by that and i think that was on purpose it's an interesting topic yeah because they kind of i'm not really sure the message right because the gentrification of these neighborhoods is seen as a bad thing and then they paint the artists as like the primary culprits in this process because they all moved to the neighborhoods because it's cheap, you know, and artists are struggling. Yeah, and, and there's this, like, a- accusation of them taking all of that, like, pain and shit and using it for their artistic benefit. Yeah, so it's it's very kind of South Parkian. <laughs> I'll put it that way. It's very deep in terms of the criticism, right? Like, yeah. Because Which, I mean, the, you could the artists say. themselves are complaining about it. Yeah. While they're the primary culprits in it. <laughs> Yeah. They're not primary culprits, but they are like the the pawns in it. Yeah. 
by they the, at least play a hand in it yeah so it's it's a pretty interesting message and then on the other hand it's like you hear the hardness of growing up in these neighborhoods in like hip-hop yeah and so yeah it's a weird topic like it's keeping the neighborhood more desirable mm-hmm. because it generally sounds pretty rough yeah you know, right. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i don't know it's an interesting it's definitely a lot deeper than just a horror movie well let me ask you this all the social commentary in the story yeah for sure um and and i think there's also this character the Candyman character from what i took out of this is like you could take the easy road and say yeah this character is getting revenge because of all the bad shit that happened to all these people you know that the character i guess grows on like this legend but I also got the sense that the character is about almost like they paint for me anyway, they painted the Candyman as this almost a symbol yeah. of like never forgetting the terrible shit that happened to these people. While yeah. also like it's this awful presence that comes around and literally kills people that speak his name into a mirror. I thought that was kind of badass. Like Yeah, it's a it's the whole other side of the social commentary going on. Yeah. You know, because it when they rattle through all the dudes throughout the decades that got murdered by the cops in that neighborhood, that's like yeah, the lure that Candyman represents. And is that like an original element of the character from like the first film? <laughs> I believe so. Okay, all right. But I, I think they've taken it deeper in this one. See, I love and I love that line where he's explaining what Candyman is. It's like it's not a he or a person. It, the Candyman is the whole hive. Like yeah, and. I, I thought that was like a really powerful message of this movie. Yeah. Um, like a visual representation of the horror of the experience of a group of people. Yeah. And yeah, I, I thought that was badass. It's deep. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's deep and meaningful. And that's like totally its own storyline outside of the other social commentary going on. So it's very layered. Yeah, for sure. For a horror movie, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, and a sequel at that. Yeah. Very metaphoric, very layered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, uh, <laughs> I guess the second film in a row that's a uh, little more than meets the eye. Right? For sure. So let's see. The story goes on. I want to ask about, one thing I was a bit confused by is, and I'm sure it's because I don't remember the first film, but this, the main character in this film, Anthony McCoy, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, his association, or I guess his, well, we'll call it an association with the Candyman character. Is that really what influences his eventual, like, kind of putting on the the mantle of the characters because of his history? Yeah. He's, the, right. he's the chosen one. Okay, so that's what that was. He's the LeBron <laughs> of Candyman. The LeBron of Candyman. Okay. But okay, that, I'm glad. That connection... I think they they took a a story plot line from the old one mm-hmm. and then used that single connection to build this whole story. Gotcha. Okay. Like I don't think in the 92 when the movie came out that was the ultimate that wasn't like a main strand of the story. I don't think that was like, "Oh, and this is where we're going to take it." Gotcha. Okay. I'm guessing they watched the old one and were like, "Boom, there's our in, the baby." Interesting. You know? That's what I'm guessing. I have no idea. Yeah. I, I really want to go back and rewatch the first one now. 
But like I said, I feel like we can do this whole podcast just off of watching this because uh, it's it totally stands on its own, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then before we move on, let me ask you about the wrap up, like the resolution of the the whole thing. First off, what did you think of it, and did it work for you? And secondly, I'll ask the question again: Do you feel like there's room for more films down the road? Quick answer: Yes, and yes. <laughs> Okay. So I I really liked how wacky it got at the end. Yeah. With the whole like summoning and and the the kind of turn that a certain character takes mm-hmm. from being like the wise old man to all of a sudden the architect. Yeah. Of madness kind of thing. I liked that. Mhm. I liked the violence. Yeah. You know, I love I loved the bees and the freaking sawing and shit <laughs> yeah dude like it was so gruesome and nice <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed the ending okay i wish more of the murders throughout the movie were as graphic as the ending yeah and then uh for taking it another place like yeah if it's if it does well you can take it in a million different storylines yeah the I, same same fucking plot point you know i'd actually be down for another sequel I just I want to see more of this story and I want to see more of this character just because I feel like not only the character himself in this film McCoy but the I guess the background of the character the larger character of Candyman is just a really interesting concept to me. So you say that and I have the same inclination because all the the old movie and this movie have always been told from like the real life real world person's view with the Candyman intruding into the real world. Right. How about we flip that? Okay. Flip that and tell the whole movie, like, what's Candyman doing when he's not murdering people? (laughs) Yeah. He's just chilling? Just chilling. You know, like, tell that story, and, like, all of a sudden he has to show up somewhere and murder some, some people. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you could flip it on its head, perspective wise. You could and do that. That would be super interesting. What I was actually thinking of is doing something totally off the the rails and telling an ultra realistic horror film inspired by the Candyman story, but going back to some of these events that that happen, like going back to the 1800s or like oh. the civil rights like 1960 and actually fleshing out some of these characters that this that the Candyman is kind of represents and is kind of feeds off of. That would be interesting to me. Might be kind of hard to watch. Probably, yeah. You know, probably be pretty uncomfortable and have to do some pretty racist yeah. scenes. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll just slap on an A24 and it'll be fine. That's yep. Just bring someone in. Who who made this, by the way? Universal? This is, yeah, Universal. So no, they're not, it's not going to uh, A24 no. at all. <laughs> but since it's Universal, I'd... I'm almost willing to guarantee we're going to see two more of these. Run it back. Yeah. Speaking of sequels, real quick, I just thought it'd be funny to mention that uh, Jun- Jungle Cruise got a sequel lit. Ah. <laughs> we were talking about that. Really? Yeah, so they're doing a sequel to that movie. Better cook up a good legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or no, I just want to watch uh, The Rock fumble his way around downtown London like for two hours. What year did that movie take place? It was just post-World War One. Or no, it was during, like during World War One. Yeah, the Rock's gonna get drafted. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, to the trenches, yeah, trench warfare. There you go. 
Yeah, a gritty take on a Disney. They're film. gonna film it like 1917. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> with that Emily Blunt flying a plane. Yep. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on and talk about some of these characters and the the cast particularly. Let me let's just get a quick kind of overview of like your thoughts on the cast as a whole. What did you think of the performances? I thought they were all believable. I thought Yahya Abdul Mateen II stole the show. Yeah, for sure. With his kind of uh blank stare acting and his like slow decay into whatever was going on from the original bee sting. Yeah. Uh, I thought he stole the show. I thought he was the best. And then, all right, so Tony Todd is Candyman from the old ones, and he's in this one. However, there's multiple Candymans in this one, and I don't think Tony Todd played all of them. I could be wrong on that, but he's the only one listed on the cast. Okay. Because I feel like a bunch of the Candyman shots weren't him. Maybe not. I don't know. I felt like it was only truly him at the end. Okay. When, you know, Anthony is, is fully yeah become the Candyman, and then it shows Tony Todd. But I I don't know. I feel like a bunch of the other Candymans were other actors, and they're not listed here. Do you feel like it was Tony Todd the whole time? It looked like him to me. Okay. But I don't know for sure. I don't know. Because, like, the guy in the laundromat definitely wasn't him. No, I don't think so. I felt like I saw him in the elevator. Like, I thought that was him. I feel like it kept changing because they kept referencing how many different candy men there were over the But the they period. mentioned their names, right? Yeah. And I and, feel like... And we don't it, see... is are, are there names here? Maybe they're listed as... I don't see as, them anywhere on the cast list. Like, maybe they're not listed as Candyman, but the actual name of the character? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. But... Uh, everyone else was really good. I thought uh, Vanessa Williams, she's only in the movie a little bit, but she was pretty powerful. Yeah, she had a really like strong moment. I and have then, to say... Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. What's her name? Tayona Paris? Mm-hmm. She was really good. Yeah. I thought all of them were really good. Nathan I really, Stewart Jarrett. I loved Nathan Stewart Jarrett. Yeah. As Troy. I was going to say... Oh, did I say Tony earlier? I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Sherman Fields, right? That's the Obi-Wan. That's Michael Hargrove, the, yeah. the wise old man. And the thing I liked most about Yaya Abdul-Mateen is, uh, and there there are f- several actors, I think, that do this, that can pull this off, but I buy him as, like, the mild-mannered, like, eccentric artist, but then uh, with, like, the flip of a switch, he becomes this, like, total menacing character, too. Um, yeah, I was going to say he's a little too... Uh... A little too ripped up. Yeah. Like for it, it's an weird. artist I, for me. <laughs> I, I buy him as both. <laughs> and and there's a, a few actors that do that. I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch is kind of like that for me. Um, <laughs> and you've never really seen him as a villain. No. But yeah, he's pretty he's pretty creepy as a villain. <laughs> so yeah, I really like that. I liked how I like either way he took it, I never felt like he was he was ever like out of his element. I thought he fit within the performance so well. Tayona Paris was like, she was in the film a lot. And I felt like she was, uh, she was kind of our, our way in, right? She was the, like the level headed person in the movie. 
so yeah, I loved her performance. And then I think, yeah, for me, the most, uh, probably one of the more intense, like dramatic moments is with Vanessa Williams in yeah. her like brief appearance. Um, yeah. That's the most, uh, powerful, I guess. Yeah. I liked her. Was she, she wasn't in the first film, right? I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think she was. I was seven. She was in the first film. And I probably saw it when I was seven or eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Anne-Marie McCoy, yeah, she gets the credit there. So she was in that first one. Michael Hargrove, I thought, did a great job of giving the context of the story. Yeah. And the exposition. Yeah, and I, I liked how they uh, wrapped him into everything. Yeah, let me ask you about, I know this is a bit off this portion of the show, but when they would use the the paper figures for all the, the flashbacks, I guess, they were like the stand-ins yeah. for the flashbacks. Did you like that? I did. Okay, cool. I thought it was kind of cool. Kind of Nightmare Before Christmassy. Yeah. I think that was probably the most intriguing part of the marketing for this movie in the trailers. Yeah. Especially the teaser was just all that. And I was like, man, that is beautiful. So, yeah, it all, all goes all, back to it. Really good acting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think anyone else that stood out that, that you want to shout out. Rebecca Spence, the art yeah. dealer, right? She's like an art dealer. Wait, I'm trying to think here. I feel like she might be a callback. I don't know. Wait, Michael Hargrove did play, like, the character in The Laundromat, right? Yeah. Okay, that was him. Yeah. So who was Coleman Domingo then? Uh, oh, now I'm confused. Yeah, because I almost want to say it was Coleman Domingo. Oh, wait, no. Sherman Fields. All right, yeah. Sherman Fields is the original Candyman, right? Yeah. That gets beat up and killed by the cops. Right, the one that comes yes. out of the wall? Yeah, and Coleman, Domingo, William Burke, he is the laundromat guy. Right, okay. So okay. he is credited then, just with his actual name. Yeah. Cool, okay. But, and that's not what I'm saying. I still think there's other Candymans. Yeah. Anyway. I just don't remember the characters' names. Have you? Okay, this is kind of off topic, but have you ever been to an art show? Uh... Yes. Was it as pretentious as the one here? It wasn't a professional one, though. Okay. Like, it was uh, It was run by the university at the time. Oh. But no. I went to one once in San Diego, and it was like at a at a big bar, like a giant art show, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh... Was it like this? <laughs> not at all. Not okay. at all. It was, like, way chill, and there was a bunch of, like, not all... There wasn't, like, really anything abstract like this shit yeah but i don't know i just feel like it really uh paints the art community as quite lame yeah and and i don't know if it is that lame or not because i have a few friends that are artists i would i would not this pretentious i'd venture to guess that it's a bit of a stereotype um but i'm sure you get situations like that too <laughs> yeah for sure all right well let's continue on and let's talk about the look and feel of this movie, the cinematography, the effects, lighting, costumes even. Yeah, really strong part. Yeah, so right off the bat, cinematography, probably my favorite thing about this whole film. It is beautiful. And I, I, liked, I like how horror is really digging into, in terms of the, 
the way shots are set up and the creativity that goes into the cinematography, it's on the same level as any Academy Award winning film. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and I, I loved all of these like transitional shots where you get these really weird angles that are establishing the cityscape or like a location within the city or just establishing the next setting. I loved all those shots, like the yeah. slow builds and the slow pans. I'm a real big fan of that stuff. And yeah, there were like several really interesting shots that, that did that. I loved the the shots inside his painting layer. Oh yeah. When he's like going crazy and painting all the faces of the different candy men. Mm-hmm. I thought those were cool. I loved the paint splattered one jumpsuit, you know? Yeah. I thought that lended some, some really cool imagery to the movie. And then I did love when they when they spent the time to be gory with the effects. Mm-hmm. Like when he's peeling his skin off and shit. Yeah. Or like when they his hand gets sawn off and mm-hmm. stuff. I thought it was really good. But then just like the quick murders were just kind of like, Blah! you know, like <laughs> scrape yeah. the throat and then blood splat everywhere. Yeah. But I I liked a lot of the, I guess, geometry too of the, of the buildings. Oh, yeah. And a, a lot of those kind of like very compositional. Yep. Shots. I thought it was really good. I think it's this. And then, you know, throw on top of it all the, like, the paper cutout stand-in weird shit that was very different and very cool, too. It's interesting how the film is wrapped up in this art scene. It's like the whole film is a meta visual art piece. It's yeah, it's really interesting in itself. So, yeah, I, I don't really know a whole lot about Naya Costa's background, or Naya DaCosta, sorry, but... I feel like I almost want to say she's inspired by like fine art in a, in a sense. I'm not sure. All right. But yeah, I, I love the way everything came across cinematically. It was really, really beautiful to look at. What's your favorite shot? It's one of those like no characters on screen. It's just like a, a sweeping pan into a cityscape that like is off putting because you start off in a weird angle. Yeah. And it kind of reinforces that like, that off kilter sort of feeling those like upside down yeah. traveling through the shitty sh- city shots. Yep. And then like that on top of the score weaved in, um, yeah. it all works to kind of make you feel uncomfortable. And I, I really like that. So yeah, overall I think it's a strong point score kind of really mentioned good. it. We both liked it and it complements the film extremely well and adds to that uneasy feeling. I think the slow suspense slow suspense and like orchestral in a way that I really liked. Yeah. There was like a lot of horns. It wasn't just like, didn't sound like classical music. It was interesting compositions. It wasn't like your straight up classical score. Mm -hmm. So I I think there was some experimentation there too. Yeah. So yeah, I had a great time with the score in this movie, but yeah, I think, uh, other than that, I I think, uh, we could probably move into our love hates. All right. So let's, uh, Let's start off with yours as customary. What I loved about the movie was probably two things. Visually, I thought it was was really freaking beautiful to watch, even though it was really gory and nice mm-hmm. and stuff like that. <laughs> and then I do appreciate how much the current story jogged my memory. Yeah. And how I could tell, even though I couldn't remember every detail, I could tell they really 
put the time in to connect everything with the old movies. Yeah. Or maybe even make it better, you know? Yep. So those are my loves. And my hate is not a super hate, but I just wanted to be freaked out at one point or another. So I took my lady to see this with me. She hates horror movies. <laughs> and she wasn't the slightest bit freaked out. Oh, okay. Not, not the littlest bit. Probably a good one to ease her into. Yeah, so I would have liked to get scared a little more, but that's about it. Okay, we got to slowly build to, like, Hereditary and Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about you? For me, um, everything about the direction, everything about the crafting of the story, I, I loved how relevant and kind of deep the social commentary is with this story. I think it works, and it works naturally into the background of the character. I never felt like it was shoehorned in by any means. Um, so I thought that was a strength. And then Candyman as a character, I thought, was just the idea of the character is really kind of tragic, but also very meaningful and badass at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, in terms of my hates, not a whole lot in the way it hates, but yeah, it, it wasn't all that scary. And I do feel like some of the scares were hearkening back to a, an era of horror that doesn't have the best rap. <laughs> but um, I don't know, something kind of, I guess, charming about that in a way. But yeah, that's, that's really all I have in terms of my hates. Uh, nothing really yeah. to hate. Not too bad. Yeah, not at all. So let's try the, <laughs> it seems to be harder and harder to slap scores on these things. Um, yeah, why don't you go first this time? All right, I'll give it a shot. So in terms of the story, I'm going to give it a full point because I love the background of the character and just the kind of all the wrinkles that the, the story has in it. So that gets a full point. I'm going to give it a full point on the, the acting and the characters. Everyone did a great job, and some of these characters were really enjoyable to watch. So I'm at two. Cinematography and the look effects, that gets a full point. That, for me, is like one of the biggest strengths of the movie. The score is going to get a full point from me. I thought it worked really well, and that already puts me at a four. And I'm going to give it a half on the feels because uh, while I did really enjoy it, as it sits in, in its genre, even though I, I kind of tend to gravitate more towards these, I even feel like movies like The Witch, which is one of my favorite horror movies, even though it was slow and suspenseful, there was like a hook at the end that was really just that. It was like horrific. Yeah. And I didn't really get that in this movie. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a four and a half buckets of popcorn, which is Damn. still really high. <laughs> Super high. Yeah. So I'm fairly similar. I'm going to give it a point for score or a bong load. I'm going to give it a point for story because I think it's really well-rounded and pretty layered. I'm going to give it a full point for cinematography because it was very pretty. Actually, no. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm going to give it 0.75 for cinematography. Okay. Because I feel like they put the effort in on the really gory close-up stuff, uh -huh. but they dropped the ball a little bit on the more drastic murders. Ah, okay. With the hook. So you're at a 2.75? I want to see that hook digging across <laughs> the neck. I don't want to see just a swipe and then blood splatter. Gotcha. Okay. So 0.75 on the cinematography. All right. 
Uh, characters, I thought everyone was great. Acting was great. It's getting a full point. And I'm also going to go half on the feels because I wasn't scared at all and I wanted to be. Okay. Yeah. So what are you at? Three. 4.25. Gotcha. All right. Still really strong. <laughs> really good still. Yeah. All right. But yeah, I, I mean, and then before we head out of here, would you recommend it? Sure. It's a good popcorn. It's a good date movie. Yeah, I feel like it. It's a certainly a good date movie. And I'd say definitely if you enjoyed the original too. Yeah. This one you'll probably get a lot out of. And maybe watch the original. Yeah, I'd almost say that too. Like I even though you can get through this no problem without remembering much but of But it first. might be a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure they threw in easter eggs for all the fans too. So yeah, that's uh kind of our breakdown of uh, Candyman directed by Naya DaCosta. Uh, we'll get more of these out to you as they come. The summer mo- summer movie blockbuster season's like on high. So, But we are going to find time to squeeze Nick Cage in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Nick Cage will be coming. Uh, we- It'll be the <laughs> Buff and the Blazer debut of Nick Cage. Uh. The premiere of Nick Cage. With all the pomp and circumstance you can imagine. Oh. So much. But, yeah, we're, we'll are we we'll get these out um, as they, they get released. And, yeah, we're, we'll be doing uh, some Nick Cage next week. We won't say what, but it's going to be a doozy. And, uh, yeah, we're well aware. Shang-Chi's out. Uh, we're going to get around to that, so we'll make sure we got you guys covered. There's but- no movie theaters within 200 miles of where I'm working, so I can't see <laughs> Shang-Chi, people. Yeah, so instead, be delighted by Nick Cage. <laughs> As a consolation. But yeah, peeps, so we uh we kinda broke this down enough for you. Go out and see it. We hope you all have a great week. Hope you enjoyed the Labor Day weekend out here in the States if you're listening. And we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.